right, welcome everybody to Beyond the Shadows, Mother and Ghost Story, and Mike Ricksecker. I know no intro music, no nothing. Since we've come back from Facebook to here on YouTube with Beyond the Shadows, <laughs> it's been a little, it's been a little weird. Without that, we got the one light going on. It's a little awkward, but Beyond the Shadows is also always brought to you by Haunted Road Roast. It helps you hunt ghosts. I just got to take care of that. <laughs> it's our own coffee. If you want some, check out hauntedroadmedia.com. Smells ghosty. Ghosty always appreciates Haunted Road Roast. Okay. Enough of pimping our own stuff, right? <laughs> I see the chat room is filling up. That's great. It always takes a few minutes here when we start live for the second show of the evening. We had a great, great guest on our first show, Edge of the Rabbit Hole, earlier this evening. That was Jim Penniston from the Rendlesham Forest Incident. So uh, we're going to be talking about types of close encounters this evening. So we will talk about what type of encounter that was. So the the close encounters, yeah, Jim was definitely amazing. Thanks, uh, all 7 Um yeah, he was. Check that out. When you're done with this, if you haven't seen it, check that out. Fantastic guy. We're definitely going to bring him back. Um, but we're going to be talking about in this episode of Beyond the Shadows, kind of going with our UFO theme here the last couple of weeks, extraterrestrials, all that stuff, are the types of close encounters. So most people are familiar with the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Well, that term stemmed from somewhere. Some people are also familiar with Project Blue Book, and I'm not just talking about the television show. I'm talking about the actual project that was based on in the uh, late 40s up through the end of the 60s. And uh, the main civilian guy that was involved with all that, because it was an Air Force project, was uh, J. Allen Hynek. And actually, I have one of his books here, The Hynek UFO Report where he kind of breaks down, he has a chapter devoted to each kind of the close encounters. And so we're going to kind of break that down for you here um, and kind of talk. And we'll even have it be like a little interactive where you can kind of tell me what you think some things are. So um, yeah, Lamby Pie 25, uh, Jim's book from the first show, that, uh, <laughs> that is a big book. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about this one for this show um, in J. Allen Hynek's work. So first off, Close Encounters of the First Kind. These are basically like lights in the sky. Like I see a UFO. I see a craft up there. There's something up there that I can't explain. You're just basic observation of something up in the sky. Uh, this has only happened to me once. And this was a year and a half, a little bit less than a year and a half ago now. When my son was graduating college, I'm driving from here in Illinois, where I'm at now, to Oklahoma. And somewhere, this, this is in December. He, he actually was a, a December graduate. And this was like somewhere in the middle of Missouri. I'm just casually driving down the interstate. And I notice off to my left you know, through, I'm driving through the window and off to my left, there's a couple of lights hanging in the sky. What in the world's going on over there? And there were two like red vertical lines like that. You know, immediately, you know, just thinking, oh, okay, it's a weird looking tower next to the road. I, I don't get it. 
So I'm kind of briefly looking at it, because of course I gotta keep eyes on the road, and as I'm looking at it, it just takes off. Just, and it's like, oh, okay. I think I just saw a UFO, <laughs> you know, and that was it. So was it? Probably. Can I say undeniably it is? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of left up to interpretation, but that would be consider, considered a close encounter of the first kind. I'm going to throw a couple out down here that you guys uh, may actually be somewhat familiar with to kind of give you another idea of a close encounter of a first kind. The Phoenix Lights, and um, some of you are probably familiar with this. I know it's a very dark photo. It was taken at night. So all of those lights lined up in the sky like that, those are the the Phoenix Lights. And um, this one's gotten around quite a bit, uh, quite well known. When we had J. Marie Yates on back in, I want to say it was January, uh, they talked a little bit about the Phoenix Lights, even though most of that episode was talking about uh, Vulture City. We did talk a little bit about these. And, you know, people debate as to what exactly they were, but this is one of the uh, more famous ones. And people go out there and, you know, try to catch them and observe them. So it's an interesting phenomenon that is seen out there around Phoenix. Another one that's I think fairly well known is the light over Jerusalem. So in this one, I mean, you just see this ball of light and you're probably looking at this photo like, well, isn't it like one of those lights in the background? No, what's actually going on here, it's it's better if you see it in the video. This thing was just hovering over, that's, that's the Dome of the Rock, you know, the famous mosque there in Jerusalem. It's just hovering over there. And people are kind of gathered around, you know, they're shooting the video like, hey, take a look at that light hovering over the Dome of the Rock. And then all of a sudden, it takes off, goes straight up from there. It's just like nuts uh, how fast it is and and the way it takes off like that. So Tom McNicholas, the Christmas star. (laughs) Interesting. And uh, Victoria. Yeah, a lot of people, going back to the Phoenix Phoenix Lights real quick, a lot of people um, have tried to enhance this and, you know, say that's like the outline of a ship. And, you know, I mean, it very well could be, uh, you know, lights on the front of a ship. Uh, It's debatable, but a lot of people do believe that. And, you know, with this one, you know, some sort of, you know, people have said, you know, is it some sort of probe that's come down here and was shocking out Jerusalem and shot back off into space? Possibly, possibly. Uh, Hinsdale Girl says, when I was there, I wasn't lucky enough to see them in Phoenix. Oh, sorry about that. Um, and uh, yeah, Robert Hanna, there's, uh, you know, people doing found footage videos and things like that of the Phoenix lights. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, you know, it's become well known enough now that, um, you know, that people are using this now in our pop culture. So that is really the uh, close encounters of the first kind is just seeing a UFO. That's it. You see it and it takes off. Even the, the like the one that dubbed the flying saucers. 
uh, you just saw what looked like a you know saucer in you know skipping across the sky and there you go that was a close encounter of a first kind close encounters of a second kind is where there's some sort of physical interaction with the environment so what i mean like uh something like scorch marks or um you know something has happened with animals like the animals have been affected or, or something like that when we just had jim peniston on with the rendlesham force we kind of briefly touched on it toward the end the impressions that were left by the beams of light which seems really weird. So he had looked under that triangle-shaped craft for a landing gear. And what he saw being used for a landing gear were actually these beams of light. Now, beam, uh, beams of light, they're supposed to be just particles. They're not supposed to be like physical objects. But this is basically what he was seeing was these beams of light being used as physical objects. And they were creating an impression in the ground that was like an inch and a half thick. He ended up taking plaster casts of this, and we didn't really get so much into that uh, on that particular show, but that's what happened. And so because it left those impressions in the forest like that, it, it left you know something physical behind, that would be a close encounter of a second kind because it left that physical impression behind. Another one I will throw out there uh, for this one is Mari Island. So this is one of the um, famous early ones from 1947. You know, there was the the rash of sightings like near Mount Rainier, the first one with the flying, you know, where the term flying saucer came from. Um, Roswell was around this time too in New Mexico. But then there was also this one in Mari Island, which we talked about with the men in black when we did that episode. And you can kind of see in this artist interpretation, uh, the man in black. And so, um, you know, with this, you see all of this chaff falling out of the uh, the UFO. Apparently, that was making a mess all over the place. Uh, the um, Howard Dahl's, uh, Harold Dahl's son got injured during this. The dog got, uh, the dog got killed. So, like I said, Close Encounters with the second kind, there's a there's a physical effect that has happened here. And so, you know, it could be a number of other things too. So, you know, it could be, uh, you know, cars malfunctioning. So you, there's a lot of these sightings of, they see a UFO, their car shuts down or the lights go berserk or something like that. That would be a close encounter of a second kind. You know, with with this one, I mean, there's a lot of different things going on here with with the chaff and people getting injured and the dog getting killed. We're going to actually come back to this uh, later on uh, because there's there's another possibility here with this particular sighting, but it's at least a close encounter of a second kind. Um, and with some of the subsequent things that happened after, there could be other elements. Uh, involved here so uh, general seven is already talking about the fourth kind yeah we'll get we'll get down to there um tom mcnicholas could the clouds hold hold moisture and reflect the light from the ground um well 
Yeah. Light inversions. So that is a... When people are trying to debunk these things, that is something that is thrown out there as a possibility. Could some sort of light inversion have happened and you know we saw something else? Or was there an, a mirage effect going on that could have caused this? These are, I mean, certainly things that you have to consider in many of um, of the sightings you know, have been debunked because of things like that. I mean, I, I threw up Jay Allen Hynek's book earlier from Project Blue Book. You know, they had something like 13,000 cases, right? I mean, a ton. Yet there's, and a lot of them became things like that, light inversions or, or whatever. They mistook what they were seeing for something else. But there are still 700 of them that they couldn't explain. So we don't know. We don't know. It's a lot of different possibilities out there as to what may have happened. So uh, B3 Airspace also watching a clear day, the sun reflect on the wings of birds. Yes, there are certain birds that it's kind of the same thing where the light can reflect off of a bird and then you get something like that. So again, another thing that's taken into consideration and where people squabble and debate on things like this, you know, is it... Are the birds in season for that location? Are they even in the area at that time? Um, the uh, the lighting at the time, whether the sun was out or if it was a cloudy day, you know, all those little things come into come into play, and that's where people start fighting and bickering over exactly what they saw. But there are some like legit things, like Jim, who we had on when he's talking about, hey, I actually went up to this triangle craft in the forest and touched it. Well. I don't think the light from, I mean, it was dark. <laughs> I don't think light was re reflecting off of anything in the middle of a forest. So, um, so Robert Hanna, cattle mutilations. Yeah, so cattle mutilations would be, we'll get to that. Animals being affected, yes, but and we'll get to that as to what you may or may not consider a you know, one of these types of close encounters i am gonna let you guys we'll, we'll play a little game here and i know that there's a little bit of a delay here with the live stream so i'll talk a little bit monologue a little bit to give you guys a bit of time and i'll let you try to guess what this one may be so battle of los angeles famous photo here of uh this was, well, what our military thought was an attack. I mean, we were in, it was World War II, so uh, we thought we were getting attacked by the Japanese. And there's this thing in the sky, and everybody around L.A., all the, uh, the military installations, start shooting at it, like incessantly, for, <laughs> for far too long. They don't actually... Um, well, reports are varied as to whether they brought it down or if it just took off or whatever the heck may have happened to it. You know, uh, civilians did get injured. My question is, is this a first or a second kind? So they see the thing up in the air and they start shooting at it. What do you think it is? Is it a first or second kind? 
So let's see. Uh, Lamb Pie, 25 people actually died. Oh, they, uh, they got hurt. General 7, yeah, they ended up saying that it was a weather balloon. When the attack was going on, they believed that they were actually being attacked by the Japanese. They ended up excusing it as a weather balloon. And other people said it was other things. And there are plenty of witnesses that got hurt. There, there are people that come forward today with shrapnel from when this thing went down. Uh, B3 airspace, not the third kind. We haven't gotten to third kind yet. So first or second. <laughs> and Diane Hilbert saying both kinds. And yeah, it does look pretty intense for a balloon. So, and the question, Pung Guy, Fung Guy, the camera would capture all those spotlight beams. Well, with as much as they were shooting off with all the ordnance, um, it would it would create a lot of smoke in the sky. So basically you're seeing the light beams through all the smoke that was created from the ordinance that was shot off into the sky. So that's, it does look a little surreal, but it's legit. Robert Hanna does look like your classic saucer. Well, this is what I believe about this photo is that it is a first kind. Uh, to be a second kind, there would have to be a uh, physical altercation from the actual object which it doesn't it just hovers up there and gets shot at it doesn't all the damage going on is caused by the firing of the cannons at the thing not by the thing itself so this is with all of the fantastic things that happened in the battle of los angeles it was actually just a close encounter of the first kind so there you go. All right. So the third kind, <coughs> excuse me, this is where we actually see an extraterrestrial. Now we're getting into it. No longer just UFOs. <coughs> excuse me. Now we're getting into actual alien sightings. These guys, yeah, little green men, right? <laughs> um... Yeah, it could be a human, maybe it's a robot, uh, but basically somebody coming out of the UFO. So, I mean, we had an entire, you know, major motion picture from Steven Spielberg on it, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And, you know, nice fun fact. So, J. Allen Hynek, who came up with the first, he came up with the first three kinds, Um you know, they were basically his ideas. He's the one that developed the uh, close encounters of the first three kinds. And we've kind of expanded from there to start including more. So he actually had a cameo in that movie. Um, you know, when the saucers land in, all the lights are going crazy, and everybody's kind of like staring at the thing in awe, there's a shot of J. Allen Hynek in there. So um, one of those nice fun facts. But yeah, this is where we actually start seeing uh, aliens, right, for lack of a better term. Aliens, extraterrestrials, we'll see in E.T. Uh, yeah, punk guy, fun guy. Aliens are naked and have no private parts. Well, you know, a lot of our illustrations do just that, don't they? Because that's kind of what this looks like. But there are plenty of, you know, people who have had accounts of 
of aliens or alien encounters where they are in you know some sort of suits those that you know if you believe the story or not that crashed at Roswell and were brought to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and there was a craft that was brought there if you believe all that stuff um, apparently those aliens did have suits they were in some sort of suit to begin with not really sure what of course you see all the kind of crazy alien autopsy videos now the more recent one was that back in 95 it was of course completely debunked they ended up saying they ended up admitting yeah we re, we recreated what really happened but what they were actually showing in that film was a fake i think they said they filled it with like lamb parts or something insane yeah um tom mcnicholas uh they'll explain why they were depicted as green uh and then robert hannah about the grace yeah you know we kind of I don't know why that is. Why do we always say little green men? Is it because Marvin the Martian was green? I don't know. Um, and then there are the greys. But we wonder about the greys. Are they really extraterrestrials? Or are they some sort of interdimensional being? Are they both? Could be. Could be. Well, it's interesting, though. We'll get into a, a couple other things here with Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Injured Cold. Now, his name comes up a lot when you, when you start talking about the Mothman stuff. Injured Cold. Now, he did admit that he was an alien. He did admit that he was an extraterrestrial, although he looked rather human. But he said he was from an Earth-like planet from elsewhere. So, those that had sightings with Injured Cold, that would be a close encounter of the third kind. You know, if if those encounters are true and if he was really an alien. Another one that would be a close encounter of a third kind are the men in black. Possibly. Possibly. And this is why I say possibly. We did men in black here a few weeks back. And there are some different ideas and theories as to who the men in black may actually be. And it seems to be that there's like three different camps. One camp is that, well, they're human beings. They're part of a shadowy government agency, or maybe they're just CIA or NSA or whatever. Okay. Then there are the ones that believe that they are interdimensional beings, that they've come here from some other dimension to intervene during these type of extraterrestrial and UFO encounter encounters. Okay, that's camp number two. Camp number three is they are actually the extraterrestrials. And they don't want, when they go and visit uh, the witnesses, they don't want the witnesses to actually talk about their encounter. I'm actually open to all three theories. Um, they could actually, it could actually be all, and it just depends on the situation. Um, I do believe that many of the men in black encounters are just humans, that they're some sort of shadowy government agency, what have you. I've been involved with that world a little bit. I've seen it. Okay. But I'm open to the idea that some of them are interdimensional beings. Seen plenty of those in my life too. 
or possibly the extraterrestrials themselves, because I do believe some interdimensional beings are actually extraterrestrials from another planet. So I'm open to the idea that some men in black are extraterrestrials, and if they are in an extraterrestrial man in black shows up on your doorstep, you just had a close encounter with the third kind. There we go. I think there are some questions down here. Let me scroll back through, because didn't Tammy Heitzman ask something? Yeah. Uh, Tammy Heitzman, if aliens want to know more about us, they should just ask. I mean, why be all sneaky about it? Makes you wonder why they feel the need to remain mostly hidden. Well, they could just still be exploring our race, trying to learn more. Um, Perhaps if there has been communication between our government and them, maybe our government has convinced them, don't reveal anything yet, it'll throw our society into a panic. They do have the Brookings report to back them up, but that was so long ago now. So there are a lot of theories that we've kind of been inundated with a lot of extraterrestrial and alien stuff, especially through Hollywood um, over the last 50 years, 60 years, however long it's been, to kind of make us numb to this idea so that when disclosure happens, we'll just be like, oh yeah, I knew that. It's kind of the idea. And there's also, it could be a safety issue. So there are plenty of people out there, I believe, that they get an inkling that there's little green men running about or whatever the extraterrestrials are, that it will spook them and they will get attacked by, not necessarily by our government, but by some crazy group out there of guys, just could be regular people that want to run them off with shotguns. You know, it could very well be. I mean, watch Back to the Future when they thought that he was an alien, right? <laughs> they chased him off with a shotgun. So, um, Grand old folks, Betty Lange, what was the movie Contact? What kind? Um, so that would be because they actually communicated. We'll get to that in a minute. Because <laughs> they actually communicated with that one. So we'll get, to, we'll get to Contact in a minute here, which is a good movie. So the fourth kind... The fourth kind. So let's talk about Betty and Barney Hill because fourth kind are basically alien abductions. So Betty and Barney Hill, this is the famous case from New Hampshire where, you know, they said that they had been abducted and these aren't unreasonable people. Like, like, Barney's supposed to have had an IQ of, like, 140, so he's a smart guy. But basically, they were driving along the road, got abducted, and then found themselves, again, losing time further down the road, what was it, like, 35 miles away, having lost a couple hours. They didn't realize what happened to themselves at first. You know, they ended up back at home, and they're like, what happened? They, they were, like, disheveled. Of course, they had the, the time slippage. They didn't know what happened. Um, they ended up having to, you know, go through, kind of like Jim was talking about, some hypnosis and things like that uh, to kind of bring out what in the world happened to them. Um, another, there's a uh, photo there. What I, 
what I liked about when they went through the hypnosis and started getting the story of what happened to them, um, and basically their story is kind of the classic. They were they were taken up on the ship and they were um, kind of poked and prodded and you know they ran some tests and experimented that sort of thing. You know, taking like some skin samples and what have you. So Betty ended up remembering that. Uh, oh, and there was like a funny one with. Uh, with Barney where apparently one of the aliens was getting all excited that Barney's teeth were able to be removed and he had dentures. So <laughs> I guess the alien was like, uh, oh, wow, their teeth can be removed. And it's like, and, and Betty had to explain, no, he has dentures. Um, but apparently, Betty had asked where the craft had flown from, where, where these people were from. And this extraterrestrial joked around with her, I guess. It was, she said he was joking around. But he said, if you don't know where you are, because she admitted she knew very little about the universe, so she wanted to know where he was from. Um, but he said, if you don't know where you are, there, there wouldn't be any point in telling you where I am. And I find that really interesting because it could explain why a lot of, of you know if, if these extraterrestrials really are coming down to the planet why they haven't been revealing a lot more to us and it could be because they don't deem us ready for it, that perhaps we don't know enough yet about the universe for them to give us that information that even if they gave us the information perhaps that we wouldn't even know what to do with it um so I mean, his statement is basically like, yeah, you need to learn a little bit more first before I can give you this other information, uh, which is kind of an interesting perspective. And it wouldn't be one that I would, you know, you hear some of these people reporting, yeah, you know, I was like with the injured Cole, he was from, you know, someplace specific in, in the Beetlejuice system. You, know, you hear stories like that. So for her to give that kind of an answer, Betty, almost tends to validate their experience to me a little bit more because it was you know such an off answer that's such an off response it's it very different so let's see what you guys have here for questions as i'm going along um okay i guess you guys are just chatting away down there um I, i'm not necessarily seeing a, a question so we'll just continue all right so that's number four close counters of the fourth kind abductions uh, and there is that movie the fourth kind which i went back and watched that here recently like within the last few months or whatever and was like yeah this is why i haven't <laughs> well I, I haven't watched it in so long it was it had potential it was supposed to be based off of uh real stories that happened up in alaska but it just yeah just something didn't set right about it robert Hanna, travis walton's story is probably the most fascinating abduction story his is also interesting again uh that's like major time slippage there because you're talking like days uh, so his is interesting as well so Victoria Monday could be that they were from Betty's future. If she doesn't know where she is and how can she know where the future person is from? 
Well, I mean, if they were time travelers, um, which we don't know, it, they took it as they were uh, traveling from, that they were space travelers, that traveling from somewhere else in the universe, especially since they had come down out of the sky. And this seems to be like a, a recurring, it seems to be like a recurring thing lately um, as we dive deeper into this, that, um, you know, people are throwing out there more and more and more time travel. You know, it's just us. It's just ourselves. Jim Penniston, when we had him, him on, was basically talking more along those lines. He actually doesn't go down necessarily, necessarily the ufology route, um, that he is more of, this is just all of ourselves. And you know, we were talking about like stack time theory. You know, a lot of that very well could be. I kind of, I, I kind of think it's a mix of all. You know, I don't like to compartmentalize myself into one area because uh, one, we still don't know for sure. So I still want to leave myself open to a lot of different ideas. But you know, I kind of think we are experiencing all these different things. That it's not just like one particular idea. Like I was saying with the men in black, you know, between humans, interdimensional beings, extraterrestrials. And some people like to say, it's this, it's this, it's this. And it's like, it could be all of them, you know, <laughs> depending on the particular situation. And so I do believe that some of these craft um, are actually extraterrestrials from another planet somewhere. While at other times, I do believe it has something to do with time travel. And we are seeing, um, you know, whether it's, you know, a future civilization of ours has figured it out to be able to come back into time and maybe they do use some sort of craft like that to be able to do it while still at the same time everything existing at once you know um a lot of things to uh think about and mix it up so um all right so let's move on here to the fifth kind, which I don't believe I have. I do have a slide for it. Yeah. And that would be, you're going to find me funny here. Oh, there we go. The Pope and an alien. <laughs> so again, another, I was going to say theoretical kind, but they're all kind of theoretical. Heine came up with the first three. We have expanded upon that so this one I, i'm a little iffy on the fifth kind because basically the fifth kind is supposed to be direct communication between aliens and humans which in the third kind you know alien i mean basically if an alien comes out of a craft right in front of you are you not going to have some sort of interaction so that would in the third the, to me, the third kind kind of already covers that. Um, I guess the twist on this is it's supposed to be human-initiated. But again, if an alien steps out of the craft in front of you and you say hi first, does it then go from being the third kind to the fifth kind? It's, it's a little... There's a lot of gray area here, and it's not inexact science these are all theories and ideas that we've been throwing out you know for several years now Heineck kind of kept it off of this first three and then as we've continued down this route over the decades we've added stuff to it it was asked earlier about the movie contact 
which kind would that be? It's probably the fifth kind. You know, it is communication with a extraterrestrial race over light years. You know, so they receive the transmission and they interpret that as an alien message. Well, you have to go back a little bit. Remember, it, in that particular movie, it was initiated by us. The Nazis and Adolf Hitler have the claim to fame that they were the ones to first throw out a you know, transmission into space. And they broadcast the um, Hitler speech at the Olympics, or his, his, opening, his opening remarks. And so in that particular movie... The aliens kicked it back at us with additional information. So that was human initiated, and the aliens responded. That would be considered the fifth kind. Later on in the movie where she actually goes to visit them, and you still consider that the fifth kind, or is that an enhanced version of the third kind? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll kind of roll with the fifth kind. Uh, Kathy Silenzo says maybe the fifth kind is more of a relationship with them, like come over for coffee. Yeah, it's it's more of a dialogue, more of a conversation. Um, I would almost consider like if our political leaders are having, um, you know, ongoing talks and conversations with uh, with alien races or things like that, that would probably be considered the fifth kind, right? So that's why I had this silly photo of the Pope and the alien <laughs> shaking hands. This apparently would be more of like the fifth kind, uh, which, with which I guess the third kind is you see the alien. He steps out of the craft and he sees you. I guess if you go up and shake hands and start, you know, having a conversation that turns into the fifth, you know, I don't know. I don't make the rules. Um, we're just we're just kind of rolling with it here. So, um, okay. So Betty Lange, do you believe some fourth encounters uh, encounters with the fourth kind? Do you believe some fourth abductions are friendly educational ones? Maybe. So there are people that are abductees that report their experiences many feel traumatized by it um, in fact uh, many there's there some bleed over between the alien abductions and old hag syndrome shadow people encounters a lot of people these days that are trying to disqualify both are trying to say it's the same phenomenon, sleep paralysis, in different forms. The shadow people are, with sleep paralysis is more old world, and then alien abductions, sleep paralysis stuff, is more of the new world because of all of our science fiction. I've gone into, I don't know how many times on this channel, about sleep paralysis. In fact, I just did a... Um, a live reading yesterday on sleep paralysis, my own experiences with it, and never saw shadow people during sleep paralysis. And many people, when they see shadow people, aren't having sleep paralysis. And many people who see 
aliens or greys or whatever or apparitions are not experiencing sleep paralysis. So it's irrelevant. But that's what they tend to do with it uh, these days. Um, there are others that that do report having more of like a quote-unquote tour experience and not so much the whole you know, medical experimentation or examination type of thing that others report. So it really depends on the report of the individual and what they come back with for their story. So sure, some of the fourth kind abductions are perhaps more educational and many terrorize the hell out of people because, you know, they're basically getting kidnapped. So, all right. Uh, Robert Hanna is asking about possible interdimensional. Yeah, some of these could possibly be interdimensional beings, and we can we could talk about that a little bit more here in a little bit if you would like. Um, all right. So let's get on to the next one, which is of course. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. No, not this one. I have to bring back this one. All right. So we already saw this photo, or actually it's a it's a piece of art. So the sixth kind is supposed to be the death of a human or animal associated with a UFO sighting. So that would encompass a lot of your cattle mutilations. It's kind of like a ultra-enhanced second kind with this particular incident here at Mario Island there was so much going on it's probably a mixture of everything except maybe the third uh, but the dog did die in this incident so you could chalk this up to a sixth kind it is a much more severe type sighting of course to get killed by the UFO or the extraterrestrial, you don't hear so much of humans getting killed, but when it comes to uh, things like the animal mutilations in that Mari Island incident with the dog getting killed, those are the time, that's really when you hear is like the animals getting killed by uh, the extraterrestrials. You really don't hear that happening with humans. I, I'm sure there are plenty of incidents that people chalk up to, well, that person died because of you know, they got abducted and something happened to them. I, I've heard, you know, people try to blame like the shadow people incidents on, well, they had a heart attack in, you know, in the middle of the night because of the shadow person. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to, there's no way to prove that. There's no way to disprove it, I guess, either. But it, it's, it's pure speculation on that person's part. You know, I, we have, we have yet to see Aliens come down out of a craft, open fire on the population, and, you know, people fall. We just haven't had that happen. Um, there are those people out there, and I really I really have a hard time believing in any, any of them at the moment, but there are people that have said that they are a part of a secret space corps that has gone up to Mars to fight battles up there, Um humans versus aliens and different human and alien alliances against other aliens and so I 
I'm guessing the humans that were involved in those incidents that got killed, they had a close encounter of the sixth kind. If you believe any of that stuff. But there are people out there who say that, that talk about that stuff. So, uh, Kathy Salento, what are their motives? Don't know. <laughs> we don't know what their motives are. What are the motives for the cattle mutilations? No idea. That dog incident, it was just, it sounded like the the craft was damaged and, and metal shrapnel was falling off of it and accidentally killed the dog. But as far as the cattle mutilations, you know, there's some of these that are done with just such medical precision and you know, no spillage of blood and things like that. It's like, what in the world happened here? So, you know, are they researching different species here on Earth? I, I can't think of another reason why. Um, you know, did they did they need to harvest some of the, the organs out of these animals for some specific medical purpose up there? Maybe, maybe it's not necessarily research, but this particular thing from this particular animal they use for some medical procedure or to make some sort of medicine. You could speculate all day on this sort of thing. We just we really don't know um, why they do that. Um, so what else do you guys have? Um, yeah, Tammy, I'll get to that. The the nasty, creepy kids with no emotions and the weird eyes. We'll get to that in a second here. Yeah, yeah, Lambie Pie 25. I'd love to chat with an alien. How do I contact one? Um, well, there are a lot of people who say that you can just, you know, meditate and, and throw those ideas out to the universe and they will be answered. I've been out there with uh, with Andrea Perrin when she's, when she's done this sort of thing. Um, the first time we did it, uh, I didn't get a whole lot. The second time I was out there with her this past August in Michigan, a couple interesting things happened. First, so we're out in the parking lot because that's about all we could go at this place was out into the parking lot. <clears throat> and got kind of towards the back area. And Andrea just starts launching into her extraterrestrial stuff speech, spiel, talk, whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden, this huge fireball just scorches the sky. You know, it's it's huge. It's it's low in the sky, so maybe that's why it looks so big. Well, it's a huge fireball. And you hear the sizzle. You know, I mean, it literally is like, oh my God. You know, so... I don't know if you could necessarily chalk that up to extraterrestrial, but it's, it was so freaking ironic that, you know, it was like, the, yeah, I could, I could see that being something with the universe. I, I, I don't think the extraterrestrials are going to shoot a fireball or something. You know, it, it seemed, you know, like your, your meteor falling to Earth, but it was really low in the sky and just the way it shot across and you could hear the sizzle just in the irony of it all with her... Uh, with her speech starting, very ironic. So something, the universe was up to something. But, you know, as she's going through her process to to talk to the extraterrestrials, 
and she gets the part about opening the third eye and as I'm as I'm doing this and I'm kind of like you know out like this I felt something just boom tap me right in the forehead like that and for like the next 10 minutes it's like I just like saw stars and just you know weird color lights and just all this weird stuff um yeah for like 10 minutes straight you know and so you know I told Andrea about that of course and um and she was telling me you know you've you know, you got touched, you got touched. So it was a really interesting experience. And so that's how she, um, you know, how she kind of coaches you through it, I guess. So um, we have a, uh, the last time Andrea was on the show, at the Edge of the Rabbit Hole episode, and that was on the Haunted Road Media channel. We'll look that one up. And we had her on back in October talking about that. So... There was another question I saw in here. Um, and maybe I missed it. Alina, what if they're communicating with us but not in the way we notice or are used to, Mike? Well, yeah, there's certainly there's certainly that. They could be trying to communicate with us in uh, many different ways, and we're just not picking up on that for one reason or another. You know, or, you know, they could be trying to communicate with us through some sort of thought transference or telepathy or what have you and you know a, a lot of us just we don't know how to do that or we'll, we'll hear something in our minds and we just think it's a random thought and aren't thinking that somebody or something there is actually trying to communicate with us so it's it's one of those you know opening up your mind to the fact that there could be higher forms of intelligence that are trying to speak to you through your mind. Um, Joe Nimchinsky, how do crop circles fit into this? Uh, as far as um, an encounter, uh, a close encounter, it would be the second kind if it is a UFO that created the crop circle, um, which some people be, do believe that UFOs, extraterrestrials, have created many of these crop circles. Of course, there are the fake ones created by humans. Uh, there are many of those. And then there's also the idea that it's actually the electrical resonance from the Earth. That it's the the vibration in that spot from some of these different... You know, We've talked a lot on here before about portals, vortices, um, ley lines, cellular currents, that sort of thing. And so, you know, there is an idea that given the formations that they have made and the, I guess, for lack of a better term, electrical properties of the area, uh, the inner energy of that area, that's something that came out of the earth. And many of you have probably seen those little sound experiments with the with the sand where they have like a dish with the sand in it and you know they change the frequency of the sound and it changes the patterns so that's kind of the idea for many of those but that would be something like out of the ground and people people will talk about going to locations like that that it, they believe that it was just the vibration out of the ground I've talked about going to like the middle of those circles and feeling that energy there and having 
you know, and being able to work with, with spirit and energy and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, Freddie Silva talks about that. He has a fantastic book on that. And we're actually going to have him back in a few weeks. So we could ask him then. Um, but not exactly aliens. So, <laughs> But if it was created by a UFO, it would be a, a close encounter of the second kind. Uh, let me pie 25 that wasn't a falling star mike <laughs> and maybe it wasn't i don't know it was a massive fireball you know falling stars meteors do come across as fireballs uh was that particular fireball a meteor or something else i i don't know you know i it wasn't where it landed to to take a look at it um all right so um We need to get to the seventh one. Sorry, I was just looking through the rest of the comments there. And that is what you guys got a little preview of, and I didn't mean to. All right, Close Encounters of the Seventh Kind. Why are we looking at the children from the Village of the Damned? because they would be considered a close encounter of the seventh kind. So this is a creation of a human and alien hybrid. And so if you guys remember the movie Village of the Dam, this is where you don't really see what it is that creates them, except like some force or mist or whatever. You get the idea that it's alien in nature. And basically the aliens impregnate the uh, human women and create these platinum blonde crazy-eyed kids who are actually some sort of crossbreed between uh, humans and aliens. So this is the Close Encounters of the Seventh Kind, is when you are interbreeding human and aliens. Uh, yep, very creepy children. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let see, Joan Chinsky, that movie was based on the book The Midwitch Cuckoos. Uh, yeah, and this is actually a... a a screen cap from the more modern one. I actually believe the old black and white one from, what was it, 1960 or whatever is actually creepier. But the uh, the one from 1995 is like one of the last movies that Christopher Reeve starred in before his accident. So, and I liked Christopher Reeve. So, um, actually just watched that movie the other night. So, um, it's, it's still a very creepy movie. But basically, yeah, they're a crossbreed of, of alien and human, and that would be our close encounter of the seventh kind. So there you go. That's all. <laughs> That's all seven kinds there for you. All right. <laughs> um, Quarantine Ghost didn't know there was one in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, to me, it's actually creepier. And it might be because it's, because it is black and white, because, um, you know, the kids, the kids seem creepier. It's more... Um, the atmosphere is a lot more deathly quiet in it. So, yeah, it, it's really creepy. So, what other questions you guys have there? Uh, it, here's Tom McNicholas. What kind would it be if aliens impregnated a human? Seventh kind. That's what we are just talking about, my friend. <laughs> yep. So, um, Robert Hanna, what is your favorite UFO story? You know, I don't know. I, I don't 
I don't know. You know, I've heard so many different UFO stories over the years. I don't know necessarily know if I have a favorite one because you know some of them I don't even know if they're all true, right? So you know, we hear all kinds of great, fantastic stories about UFOs and extraterrestrials and you know injured cold and you know men in black and all of that stuff. And it's like, yeah, some of this stuff I believe is true. I'm not sure which ones. And so that would, that would kind of be a deal breaker for me right there is, you know, if it's if it's a story that's not true, then automatically that's not going to be my favorite one, you know, because it's it's not a true story. You know, somebody fabricated it. So, I, you know, I have I have a hard time with trying to pick a favorite one out of that. You know, you look at the, the classics like Roswell or, um, you know, the the flying saucers over Washington D.C. or anything like that. And it's like you know, those are the ones that get a lot of the the publicity. You know, I I almost like the subtle little. When I read Bed, the Bell Isle story last week, when I was doing my uh, readings on on Facebook and, and IGTV, Bell Isle has that quick little story in there about the light that they saw. And it was from the 1920s, which was before all of the crazy UFO stuff. They weren't really talking like we talk today about extraterrestrials and UFOs and things like that. But yet, here's this report of the possibility of one in there. And, you know, they talked about that it wasn't a balloon and, and things like that within the, within the report. And it's just a quick, quick little article. I think it was from like 1922. So it's interesting to me, the little reports like that, that you see from our past before the whole big blow up from 1947 and on. So it's a little more, a little more intriguing to me when, when you read things like that when you actually see it with your own little with your own eyes some little story about the possibility of a ufo before they became in vogue so i'm not saying that is my favorite story it's just i find it cool i find it cool so um that's a good question betty betty lingy mike how much has your guests change your beliefs so this is edge of the rabbit hole uh an edge of the rabbit hole question and it's a really good one um you know i always go into these interviews with an open mind and we're bringing this person onto the show they have a lot of information to share from their experiences and their research and their studies and whatever it is that they're doing they have something to share with us. And there are times that it complements research that I'm doing or might even contradict research that I'm doing or experiences that I've had. So, you know, like tonight with Jim Penniston, and he's talking about, and I'm going to get with him after the show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message him about that book that he was talking about and that guy that he knows that basically was talking about the same thing I was with the stack time theory which is 
and I didn't know it until, you know, a few years back that it was actually, you know, very similar to Einstein's uh, space-time continuum. So it's that influences me to go down that rabbit hole and learn more about this guy and research what he's learned in the field because he he might have some other information to either help enhance my theory or to make me think about it another way. And you know, I see this with a, a lot of the different guests that there may be plenty that they're going to talk about that I already know. But there's always something that I take away from these conversations uh, with these different guests that we have because I'm going to bring it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it up right here. I have decided to leave this in this queue of photos because it's all connected. <laughs> there it is, the connected universe. I've I've been saying for a while now, this is all a study in the connected universe. Everything is connected. Some way, shape, or form, it is all connected together. And so there's always something that I can learn from our guests. I can't... I'm not going to sit here and say that there is like one particular guest that completely changed my opinion about everything or something major or whatever. Um, they all add and contribute a little bit here, a little bit there. And so over time, some of my views have changed or altered or gone in a little bit of a different direction. Um, you know, but it's only, I think enhance the different things that I've been researching and it's left the door open to a lot of possibilities so kind of a long-winded answer for your question um, Victoria Monday Mike were you interested in UFOs before you went to the Air Force or did the Air Force pique your interest <laughs> um well, I've always been interested in space. The final frontier. Um, I actually, it's, it's interesting. My uh, my sister did space camp. Um, she did space camp while I had the telescope. So she and I both had an interest in, in space and the world beyond. Um when I was in the Air Force, I did look into uh, what I could do to possibly become an astronaut. My eyesight is terrible. I'm wearing contacts. Um, but I have like 2,500 vision. It's absolutely terrible. Um, so I was not going to qualify. I've always had the interest. You know, sci-fi movies have um, have always fascinated me. Um, I, I definitely love science fiction. I mean, I, I love a lot of different genres, but that is one of my major ones for sure. Um, you know, call it Star Wars or whatever, <laughs> but it's always been there. Space travel has always interested me. Um, you know, when I was, when I was a, a young kid, it was the dawn of the space shuttle era. And I had a model uh, space shuttle that, you know, I played with. So, you know, I remember... God, I remember watching the first, um, the first Columbia mission go up, you know, um, 
and then of course there's challenger and all that stuff so yeah it's always been an interest of mine as far as the aliens i've always believed that there's other life out there i mean i I grew up catholic but that never prevented me from believing that you know there was life on other planets you know i've always welcomed the idea and that's the thing that drives me nuts about a lot of the scientific fields is you know they pigeonhole themselves into these different you know ways of thinking we've talked about this a lot on here when it comes to archaeology and um and that they've pigeon their, pigeonholed themselves into certain areas when we really don't know a lot about the past. So the same is true in space. There's a lot of things we don't know. So I say keep an open mind about it and that I don't care if you wrote a book 10 years ago that says this, you know, this is the way this is. You learn something along the way. I, I think it's cool when we find something new. Why, why do we sit there and say, no, that, that, can't, that can't be from that era. So therefore, you know, it's, it, that's not what, you think it is because there's no way it could possibly fit into that era of time so therefore you know toss it out no um why don't you have an open mind and and to me it would be cool like wow we just found something that alters the timeline or or whatever or alters idea our idea of space to me that's fascinating you know i want to be able to find and discover stuff that's different you know um that means we're learning something Again, probably another long-winded answer to your question, but there we go. All right. Um, A lot of people are starting to bug out. (laughs) Uh, Any other questions down there, guys? We We have covered a lot here. Um, So, Hinsdale Girl. Michelle, a little bit of a different twist on the question. What's your favorite story of aliens from your own personal experience? I've only had the one UFO encounter, which would be an encounter of the first kind. It was like right at the beginning of the show when I talked about it. You know, it was so quick. You know, I see the the couple of lights out there. What is hovering out there? And then it take off like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Um... You know, are some of these, you know, when I investigate a haunted location, are some of these shadow people or ghosts or whatever there, are they possibly, you know, not a ghost? You know, are they possibly an extraterrestrial instead of a shadow person? Maybe. You know, I, I throw that idea out there in. Here we go. One more time. <laughs> First time on this show, though. Walk in the Shadows. I do bring up the idea of extraterrestrials in a walk in the shadows. Could some of these shadow people be uh, an ET? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. You know, maybe they're just not resonating fully in in this world. You know, maybe they're cloaked. Maybe they're traveling interdimensionally or astral projecting or something, and we see them as a shadow um, or a shimmer. People talk about shimmer people. So, you know, or maybe some of these apparitions are that. It, it's the possibility. So if if I've had an encounter with an ET or an extraterrestrial, it would probably be one of those, right? So, um, 
So, quarantine ghost. Maybe the blue lights you saw at Hinsdale House were aliens. Um, <laughs> tiny, cute, adorable blue aliens. Yeah, I mean that's a possibility. I've I've chalked it up right now to fairies. Of course, then you could ask the question: Are fairies aliens? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, are they? Are they? Oh. Are they an alien? Are they an interdimensional being? Are they some remnant of a species that's very elusive that we have forgotten about over time and only manifests itself in myth and lore these days? Possible to all of the above. <laughs> I can't rule it out that that's a possibility. I mean, when when Megan Talbert and I first saw that blue light in the forest, it was this blue ball like that is had to be about the size of like a volleyball or something out there in the woods and it was shimmering blue and it was dancing a little bit back and forth like that between some of the different trees and at times it would like go fuzzy it was kind of weird it would like go blurry a little bit it was very very weird so later on and we investigated inside the house. We came back out. We're sitting around the fire. And that's when we started seeing those little blue lights come down out of the forest. So were those little blue lights that we were seeing come down out of the forest, were they earlier in the evening, that big blue ball of light? Did they see us across the forest, get curious, come down? I, I don't know. And if so, was that something extraterrestrial? Or were they fairies? Were they some sort of weird spirit manifestation? No idea. But it seems like they ate an apple. So there's that. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Quarantine Ghost, thanks for throwing the link down there to A Walk in the Shadows. Absolutely appreciate that. That's down there in the chat. So, Betty Lange, do you feel so many people filming with cameras will... Oh, it got cut off there somewhere. Will validate more. Um, possibly. It's... I mean, it's still controversial. I mean, we look at something like the Phoenix Lights or the Light Over Jerusalem or whatever. And there are still skeptics that say, no, 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 here's an excuse for it, here's an excuse for it. Um, you know, there's... But there are military videos out now, like the gimbal video and the Tic Tac video and things like this that the military has put out there that they've said, we don't know what this is. The thing I find funny about that is, you know, we have reports, and, and they're acting like it's a big deal now, but we had repo reports, 40s, 50s, 60s, of this type of stuff that we couldn't explain. So it's not exactly new. It's happened before. So to answer your question, yeah, I think the video is helping because now you don't, it, it makes it harder for some, you know, high official to, to sit there and say, no, that's not what happened because we have a video of it, okay? So you can't dispute, you know, these handful of videos. There's going to be a lot more that they still dispute because there are a lot of things that could, you know, be explained away or at least they try to explain away. But there are some out now that they just, they can't. They don't have an excuse for it. So, um, All right, everybody. I think we're going to go 
and uh, wrap it up. So Andrea Loves Cats, what is the book I just held? So this is the, uh, I showed this at the beginning of the show, the Hynek UFO Report. So this, um, J. Allen Hynek, he was the uh, civilian professor uh, in Project Blue Book. And so this is uh, one of his books. He actually wrote several books, but this is like the major one of um, his UFO report and a lot of the different things that he witnessed and experienced while he was working for Project Blue Book. So the um, the show that's out right now on History Channel, Project Blue Book, basically um, Aiden Gillen, which you guys know is Littlefinger from Game of Thrones, plays J. Allen Hynek on that. So Okay, so that is going to wrap it up, guys. And... Um, We'll go ahead and, oh, Guha says, long cigar-shaped UFO I saw with my dad when I was 12 years old in China. My father told me it was American, not to look at it. Interesting. So there's an unidentified flying object over China when you were 12 that he said was something American. Interesting. Hmm. Well, and you know, that is a thing that a lot of these, a lot of these sightings are actually, um, they are actually military uh, vessels. So some experimental things that the military is doing do end up becoming some of these you know, reports that are out there, uh, but not all. So let's go ahead and get to the shout outs. 